Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also, check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, from Washington, D.C., and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us today on the Above180.com podcast is Ron Hickland. Ron is the leading ball designer for Ebonite International. So, uh, Ron, want to thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks for inviting me over. Well, Ron, let, let's begin here. Since you are the head ball guy, like I just mentioned, the lead designer for Ebonite, what does come first when you're thinking of designing a ball, that, that latest ball, to, to fit into your, uh, your repertoire? Uh, is, it a, is it the core? Is it the cover? What really is the first thing that you guys start when you are going to design a bowling ball? Well, you know, that's a good question. You know, it actually kind of starts at the consumer level um, through our marketing department. Basically what happens is the marketing department um, is charged with kind of going out and finding what consumers are looking for, what they're missing, what they're needing. And then they develop specs based off of that information and then work with me to help develop the product line. So, you know, for a specific product, what will happen is, is a brand manager may say, hey, there's a hole that we're missing in our product line, and it's, you know, we need a ball that's longer than this ball and more back in than this ball. And then they'll work with me to decide what kind of core, uh, whether we can use an existing core or a new core, or what kind of cover stock um, options, finish options that they're looking for to be able to uh, meet the needs of the consumer. In my opinion, I mean, Managing four different ball brands is uh, is quite a feat because uh, you know juggling differences between manufacturers is no easy task. Uh, how would you describe you know Ebonite's goal in differentiating Track from Columbia and Hammer from Ebonite? In other words, you, you, I know you want them all to have their own distinct personality, but how would you, in your words, describe each company? Well, there's a couple of different ways you can do it. You know, one of the first ways is the, the simple fact that there is four different unique personalities that manage each of those brands. Um, each of those gentlemen have their own kind of criteria, their own kind of style, and it, it's kind of cool to be able to match, you know, the style that, that the particular brand manager likes with uh, the type of balls you're looking for their brand. I would tell you, you know, it's 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 actually fairly easy or i would say easier than maybe you may think to you know distinguish the ball brands because we've got such a vast array of options in terms of cover stocks and cores from our you know research and development department so i would tell you the one of the big differences as an example between you know a columbia ball per se in general and a track ball per se is you know track is always trying to look for a little bit more of a cutting edge type technology they're always looking for you know, things that we're willing to do that are more risque, as an example. And Columbia um, is, is more of a little more conservative. So, you know, when you're designing products for each of those, you'll take that into consideration. If we've got a, a newer cover stock that's in development and we haven't quite um, decided where we want to put it at yet, you know, we'll take 
the brand and the, what the brand's trying to, the brand message, if you will, uh, we'll take that into consideration when we're trying to develop uh, the products for each of the four different brands. Okay, I, I understand. So if Track is a little more cutting edge, Columbia a little more conservative, where does Hammer and Ebonite fit in? Well, you know, Hammer's always been kind of like the tough brand. It's always kind of been that, that uh, you know, the guy that's the, the, the old guy who's been working hard and is, is rides a Harley and those kinds of things. So, you know, from a performance standpoint, we always try to make sure that the performance of the Hammer balls is always aggressive, if you will. Um, we're making the duller balls. The duller balls tend to be more aggressive uh, uh, throughout the lane. We're making the more skid flip balls. We're looking at more, you know, more length, more back end relative to our other brands, just because that kind of fits that aggressive, that tough, that image that the hammer kind of portrays. You know, Ebonite, Ebonite's always really kind of been that brand that's been a very stable brand, a very a trusted brand, a very well-known brand. Um, it's had a lot of success with products that, you know, are very predictable, very readable, very controllable. So, you know, when we're developing balls for Ebonite, we keep that in mind. And we'll, you know, we'll make sure that the, the cover socks that we're using uh, match up to more of those medium-type environments and can blend the pattern out a whole lot more because, quite honestly, I mean, that's kind of where the Ebonite brand performance has been and it's had a lot of success. Well, Ron, one of the things that I hear from bowlers and me and Joe were talking, Joe, of course, being in the pro shop industry, is just the uh, the amount of bowling balls that are coming out these days that really seem to be really great products. I mean, it seemed like there for a couple of years, maybe you know, three to five years, where it seemed like one manufacturer was, was kind of a little bit ahead of the game and things, and people were playing catch-up uh, with, with them. It seems like now, though, you guys and everyone else seems like there's developing great products with your your four great brands and and the Brunswick folks and Deviate Line and there's just a, a, a myriad of great balls out there. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? As far as was there kind of a little bit of a, a thing where you guys were trying to get your R and D to match and to, and to compete with uh, some of the other folks? Yeah, I mean, I would tell you that you know we've spent a lot of time in development and probably not as much time in the research phase as needed. Um, I will tell you as a result of that, that's kind of how, you know, the, the you, you kind of see this big sea of sameness, if you will, in terms of products across brands, across companies, uh, and across the industry. Um, you know, I, I think one of the interesting things about that is, is, you know, because of that, there isn't one particular, you know, ball or one particular brand that is standing out. Um, and as a result, you know, we see that and we recognize that the consumers tell us that. And as a result, we've been able to step up some of our efforts in the research side specifically to say, hey, look, you know, we, we are beginning to see more of a sea of famous and we do want to continue to be the one that is kind of the innovator in the market. So what do we need to do to be able to, to, to begin to go down that path again? And we are basically, we've hired a new uh, research chemist. Um, her name is Anna Lee and she is a PhD chemist. Uh, for us, and she's working on some very unique new types of technologies. And we've got a couple of other things now that are projects that are specifically designed to work on new technologies, um, advancing our technologies faster. We just also hired another uh, research engineer, uh, Nick Tomaszynski. He uh, he now has uh, joined us, and he's a bowler and a good background and a, and a, and a mechanical engineer. And his, part of his job is to help come up with uh, more innovative ways to design, or not, not design, but test and implement some of the products that we're coming up with. So I would tell you the sea of sameness that does exist right now um, will probably change fairly quickly, at least definitely in our direction, because we have put a concerted effort on the research side of things. 
Uh, Ron, I have a question about your uh, cover stock technology, let's say, or development. Uh, as we know, uh, say, if I can mention other manufacturers' names, Brunswick, Storm, Columbia, uh, have their suppliers they get their cover stocks from. Yet Ebonite, from what I've heard, developed their own cover stock technology and do more of the mixing, let's say, in-house to create whatever reaction they're looking for. What advantages do you feel uh, this brings to the table compared to, say, other manufacturers? Well, there's a couple things there, Joe. Um, you know, one, we do source our materials raw. So we actually do bring in the raw materials where, you know, some of, some other competitors actually source uh, com- um, components that are already pre-mixed. You know, one of the advantages of that, obviously, is we've got a really good a quality control in place to be able to check it. So if there is something that's wrong or there is a particular issue that we're having, we can diagnose it fairly quickly because we actually have the individual raw materials. You know, one of the benefits of that is you kind of are able to control your own destiny. You know, we, because of that, we do all of our own research. Um, we probably, we probably make between three and 4,000 balls a year that get tested um, that are newer, different um, veneers, uh, that we're looking at, you know, seeing if they're any good or if they're, if they're the next big thing or whatever. And I would tell you that because of that, I think once we have decided that we are going to put some more effort in research, like I mentioned earlier, you know, we can, we can more quickly turn around um, different products, innovations, those kind of things. I mean, to be quite honest with you, you know, with the breadth of product that we have, if we didn't have internal people developing cover stocks, you know, our portfolio would be very, very similar between all the balls. So that is a huge advantage in terms of being able to come up with new cover stocks, come up with different cover stocks, and be able to employ them in our four brands. So would you say then, is it able, how how do you, how are you guys working to control the friction in, uh, on the lane and, and when it comes to in oil and then also on the dry? Because I know that's one of the problems a lot of bowlers see is they, they hit, you know, they miss right on a conceivable house pattern and the ball just hits friction and goes left. So what are you guys doing to combat some of that? Yeah, you know, one of the things that we do, we actually do cover stock friction testing. Um, we've done it in-house. We've actually done it outside uh, with USBC as a partner um, on various types of projects that are related to friction and how bowling balls, uh, you know, perform in that area. And from our standpoint, you know, from a veneer development, we found, you know, that the veneers that tend to work better tend not to underread the oil or overread the dry. And, you know, we kind of, if you look at, you know, the development of our, of our brands and our product lines, we strategically try to place uh, veneers or cover stocks that are more blended, if you will, in our upper price points. And because of that, you know, those balls then can be used longer. Um, you don't get the erratic reaction, um, and, they're, and they're generally more accepted in the field. Um, so that is one of those things where, you know, once you kind of understand the chemical makeup of a bowling ball and what chemicals help to create friction and what chemicals help to decrease friction, you can begin to tweak and play with those and then strategically place them in your product line to get you a good coverage of ball performance within each of your brands and keep them separate. So, so Ron, would you say like the Vibe line, maybe a 508A, like more mid-price products, uh, can have cover stocks that are obviously more skid flip in characteristics than, say, a pursuit line or the taboo line? Yeah, I mean, that's one way to look at it. You can also look at it in terms of, like, a usability standpoint. You know, a vibe ball is going to have more of a tendency to overread the friction or underread the oil 
as opposed to a HP mall, whether it's a pursuit, whether it's a, a taboo purple or a taboo jet black um, or a, a track ball or a Columbia HP product. And that's simply because of the, the type of veneer. So, you know, we, we will strategically do that. And sometimes you'll hear consumers say, hey, well, I bought this mid-price ball and it outhooks my HP ball. Well, a lot of times that's a function of the environment. And if, you know, you're in an environment that has a lot of friction, um, then you can see that. You know, but when you're bowling uh, in tournaments, when you're bowling in, in multiple competitions or even in league and the lanes are changing, those products become usable for a shorter period of time because as the lane changes, so does the product. So you actually want products then that, hey, aren't so over-aggressive, under-aggressive, um, so that you can then get more of a reaction that is more consistent from shot to shot, which will allow you, hopefully, uh, to have a higher score. Right. Now, now, Ron, I don't know if you read the Bowler's Journal or any of the articles that I've done, but I, I did a recent one on bowl procession or, or basically a matrix of when to use different products in different environments. And basically, my statement in their uh, generalization is you start with a manufacturer's premium products on heavier or fresh patterns with clean back ends, and then as the pattern deteriorates and, and oil dissipates and moves, you can go into more you know, mid-price products and, and such to create more skid-flip reaction. Is that basically what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right. I mean, it's the exact same thing. Uh, I have another question on your testing procedures. Uh, I had the uh, luxury of you coming up here from Hopkinsville when I first started testing for Bowler's Journal. And uh, if you remember, we had a long day in the rain uh, going from center to center and, and doing some pretty extensive testing. Uh, how do your testing procedures differ from what you remember seeing the, the way we were doing it? And again, this was naturally back in 2008, I believe, is when you were here. Um, I mean, quite more extensive, I would think, with, with uh, computer aid design and, and CATS. And, or not CATS, you use the, uh, the Ebonite program. Uh, are there any other procedures you do that maybe is different from what other, you know, manufacturers would do? Yeah, you know, one of the interesting things that we do from, it goes kind of back to the design side of it, but we actually use Blueprint, which, you know, the Powerhouse Blueprint program we actually sell. Uh, we actually use that um, in part of the design and the testing. You know, that, that program obviously allows us to put any sort of core properties that we want into the bowling ball. And then we actually have the ability to simulate any of our cover stock options um, on the bowling ball as well. So we'll kind of we'll start kind of there. Um, you know, one of the big things that we're that we are into is making sure that the product works over a wide range of conditions, over a wide range of styles of play. So we, I actually have on staff uh, with me um, five different players of different caliber. I've got everything from a professional bowler to your typical league 180 average house bowler. Um, uh, as part of my group, and one of the things that we'll do is we give them the products to evaluate relative to products that we're trying to compare against, and we do a lot of the different types of centers and different environments and different uh, 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 lane surfaces because really what you're looking for is products that over as many environments and as many different variables that, you, that are, can be out there perform the most consistent. Those are going to be your products that you know are stars or are hits in the field because – those are the ones that no matter who drills it or no matter how, what condition you're throwing on, you can still use it. So, you know, I, I remember uh, that, that test that we did up there. Yeah, I mean, it is it was pretty grueling that day. I would tell you that uh, we do a lot of our testing still up there in the Midwest. And, uh, you know, at this time of year, 
as it starts to get cold, it definitely makes it uh, a little tougher. But um, it's definitely something that we, we believe in and we strongly advocate because we know, you know, at the end of the day, the consumer is going to be the one that's going to throw this bowling ball in this league-type environment, and those league environments vary all across the country. So unless you can get your product out there in the field, see how it's going to perform, you're not going to be able to get a really good understanding of what the consumer is going to end up seeing. Along with that, you know, we've got a four-lane test facility down in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, and, and really all of our initial testing starts there. You know, we can really judge good ball versus bad ball, if you will, right there in Kentucky, and that's where we kind of get started. We've got uh, two different lane surfaces. Uh, we've got a, a nice Kegel lane machine that we use, and we've got several different patterns that we'll put out. And um, I've got a full-time ball tester, and we will go through a very strict regimen of tests to ensure that these products that we're looking at testing should even go to the field. So it is a fairly expensive process. Um, it does take a while, I and mean, I will tell you it, it takes – uh, three to four weeks on average to get a ball through the process. Um, but, you know, we've kind of felt that, that you know, at the end of the day, uh, the consumer is going to be the one that, that throws this product in the environment, so you need to be able to get in that environment. At the same token, we need to have some sort of controlled environment to evaluate it in at some point. So we kind of do a little bit of both to ultimately come up with the product that we come out with. Again, joining us on the Above180.com podcast is Ron Hickland. Ron is the lead ball designer for Ebonite International. Check him out on Twitter, at rhickland. And Ron, want to go, We Joe and myself did a whole series where we, we talked with Mo Pinnell, Morich Enterprises, regarding dual-angle terminology. We did a series uh, titled Ball Drilling for Dummies, which really tried to inform the Above180.com listener how to uh, help communicate with their pro shop operator better when picking out a new bowling ball so that ultimately everyone was happy. Uh, Want to get your thoughts because one of the things that is still bannered about in the industry is using uh, using the dual angle terminology. So I want to get your thoughts and, and how uh, EBI feels regarding that terminology. You know, we, we actually are a fan of the, of the dual angle. I will tell you, you know, at one point in time, we kind of had our own uh, philosophy or process, if you will. But at the end of the day, um, it's about being able to consistently lay out products the same for whether I'm laying it out, whether you're laying it out, whether Joe's laying it out. And, you know, it's kind of interesting that the dual angle um, is a good way to do it. It does work. It does work fine. It is repeatable. I can have a conversation with you about a specific layout, and it will make sense to you. Um, it has kind of caught on within the industry. We do use it in Blueprint. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the pin to PAP and the, and the VAL angle that that works as well, but you know, from our perspective, there is there is a there is validity in using it. It is a credible layout system, um, and it's something that, like I said, we actually uh, use uh, uh, in our blueprint program. Ron, one of the things uh, I have a little bit of a follow up there is I'm here, like I said, in the Washington D.C. areas where I bowl league. I can't go out and purchase, just because of the way the lanes are dressed in my area, I can't go out and purchase a high-performance ball from any manufacturer because it's going to hook at my feet. Uh, when I go out, I have to look into that mid-range, that mid-lane price of a bowling ball and something that's not going to overreact or be a real aggressive. Um, but I, but conversely, I go an hour and a half north into, into Pennsylvania, into Ohio, um, and I'm going to find oil where I need a stronger ball. So when designing a bowling ball, do you guys... Uh, keep that in mind that certain parts of the country, certain regions of the of, of the country, do dress the lanes different. And even in the Midwest, where Joe is, you're going to need a higher performance bowling ball. 
Whereas in my area, necessarily, unless, again, and we're just talking house patterns here, we're not talking if you're bowling on sport or PBA patterns or the Kegel patterns. Uh, do you guys put that in, and have that in the, into the back of your mind as well when you guys are developing new pieces? Yeah, absolutely. And I will tell you, one of the interesting things about that comment is, is that one of the things that we've started to implore, and you'll see that within the next couple of months, especially with some of the, with some of the uh, coverage that you're going to see on the PBA Tour, um, is that we're actually beginning to make products at HP to perform on lesser oil conditions, if you will. So, you know, you're, you're 100% right. You know, basically, if you've got a lot of oil on your lanes, then, yeah, you can grab an HP ball and you're good to go. But when you start to get less and less oil, it does kind of begin to force you to go on to lower price points. And one of the things that we're finding is, is that, well, that's, that's kind of the trend, and it is in certain pockets of the country, you know, certain areas, they don't use a lot of oil, or they clean every day, or they clean every shift, so you have more friction. So we have started to develop some products that can give you high-performance hook motion, you know, the total hook, but yet more of that motion later, later, later down the lane so that it is usable in those environments. So um, we've got a couple of products in particular um, that, we, that we have designed, um, and a couple of them actually are going to be, like I said, on, on future PVA telecasts as a result of the development, and we specifically targeted those balls in those types of environments, meaning that when we were testing them, we went to environments that had less oil, saying, hey, we know, we know that our HP balls don't work well here, but we want to build an HP ball, so let's go to a spot where our HP balls struggle and then try to develop an HP ball there. So we were able to do that, and we came up with some very unique cover stocks from our brands um, to be able to get that product to really work in a what I'm going to call a lower volume environment, but still give you more hook than your mid price or your you know your lower mid price products. Ron, so my follow up question to that, and and you and I both know there are some of these products on the market already that incorporate slightly stronger cover stock materials, but weaker cores that can flare less, uh, both in high RG and low RG. Is that basically the, the direction that you're headed toward? Yeah, I mean, we've done it two different ways, actually, Joe. We've done it that way where we've actually used a, you know, a lower RG, lower differential core as one option. But then we've also went the other way with it where we used a strong core, but yet a veneer that is, that is less uh, sensitive to the volume, to the higher volumes meaning that when the volume does break down or when you don't have a whole lot of volume, the ball still will, will push through that. And we've done that two ways. We've done one with the actual cover stock itself. These are completely different formulations that we're using. And then two, we're applying some very unique and new finishes to our products. So it's really exciting. I mean, obviously I can't go too far into it because the products aren't out yet, but when they do come out, um, it'll make a lot of sense. And you'll see we are using some very unique finishes on our products. We are using some newer cover stocks that allow our balls to do some things that are different than our competition as well as some of our even our own current products, but still give you the total hook of an HP product. And Ron, are you able to share with the PBA telecasts uh, coming up? Can you share anything for us as far as that, or is this about as far as you can go? Yeah, I mean, I would tell you the good news is, is on the PBA telecast, you will see some new products from us, balls that you've never seen before. And, and what I'm saying is, is that is a product of the development of those of those specific products in those types of environments, in uh, lower volume environments, in um, different arenas using some of our newer technology. So it's definitely going to be something worth watching, that's for sure. 
All right, Ron, well, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Very good, uh, insightful interview and, and lots of great stuff, it sounds like, going on at Ebonite International and all four brands for you guys. Uh, again, Ron Hicklin joining us on the Above180.com podcast. Ron, want to thank you again for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, it was a lot of fun. If you need anything else, please uh, feel free to let me know. Will do. Thank you, Ron. <laughs>